I'm Aaron. I'm Jeff. And this is The Final Word with Jeff and Aaron. Uh, Today, we're going to kind of do a similar format as we did last week. Um, Jeff and I are... What he means is we're just going to kind of wing it and see what happens. Uh, Kind of. I feel like that's just the best way to do it. Yeah, but but uh, we do have topics in mind. Uh, Specifically, we are going to be talking about Star Wars, which we promised promised. uh, last week. Um, However, before we get into that, um, we got our our first fact, which is very, very relevant to the discussion we are about to have. So, guess how much do you think all of the Star Wars movies have made money-wise total? Uh, Adjusted for inflation or not? Uh, No, just total money. Just total. Um, can um, think one, so there's add six. There were uh, there's nine main movies. Then you've got Rogue One. Oh, we're kind of the side the side stories yeah, as well. Yeah, Solo, and then there was a Clone Wars movie based on the cartoon that was really awful. That was in theaters for like a day. <laughs> Does that one count as negative income? Yeah, I mean, it, oh no, yeah, are, it made are more we talking than profits, or are we talking uh, total uh, box office gross? Okay, um. I'm. Mm, should I be thinking in B's or M's? Oh, definitely B's. Oh, okay. Then I'm gonna go with five point two billion. Uh, uh, you know, if you're just counting U.S., yeah, it's five oh, billion nice. U.S. Uh, okay, not bad. Worldwide, ten point two billion dollars. So it turns out the U.S. is not the only person who watches movies. It's true, because worldwide was five point. The worldwide was bigger than U.S. But then again, when you think worldwide, that includes significant other. Well, I mean, the population countries. of the U.S. last time I checked is something like three hundred and fifty million. So, uh, right. So there's whatever pretty small fraction seven, of the entire population of the U.S. Seven the billion other people. Yeah. Anyways, I just thought that was kind of not surprising, but a little interesting. Ten billion. How much did uh, uh Endgame make? Um, actually, I was about to look. Uh, it is behind the MCU. As well, far as total box office gross, mostly because the MCU actually Star has- Star Wars. Star Wars is behind the MCU. Right. Mostly because, I mean, the MCU has significantly more movies at this point. Fair. Um, oh, I wonder what the price per movie is. Oh, that's that would be- I'd have to do more research than 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 I feel like doing at the very moment. <laughs> um, While we're live podcasting? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Short films. He's comic, oh my away. god! No, that's just no. Sorry, it was like it was no. Um, it's the second highest grossing film franchise behind the MCU. Wait, you never said how much the MCU has made. Or I know do they I'm not trying have to, that value. They do, but actually, it's I don't not even care about that. Just easily, how much did Endgame make? Endgame was like, I think globally was like one point. No, I think Endgame globally was like two billion dollars or something like that. Uh, two point seven nine eight billion dollars. So a, a quarter of what Star Wars has made. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Highest grossing film franchises. Uh, yeah. MCU has twenty two point five billion dollars. Say that again. I got distracted. Uh, twenty two point five billion dollars. Twenty two point five billion. Dang. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. Well, it's about so, double Star Wars. A little bit more double. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because I think there's almost double the movies. Yeah, I'm pausing because I'm typing something. Cool. I feel like we should, we should figure out a way to edit those out, those, those long pauses for when we want to do a little bit of research. 
Um, well, there is a way to do it. I mean, I can also manually do it. But. Yeah, you could, but it would be. So this is why we need three people, so that two people can be talking while the third person. Third is person. Okay. Looking. Yeah. We'll we'll hire a third person. For we got to. Our, we got to look it up. Yeah. Um. Anyways, now that you know, people have heard our little behind the scenes. This is how we, you know, research, and and then there's long pauses. So, what do you think of the new Star Wars, Jeff? I thought it was entertaining. Um. Yeah. And so I just wanted I wanted to bring something else. Grand Theft Auto Five yeah. uh has made six billion dollars in revenues. Huh. A single video game. Are there um like uh microtransactions and whatnot in it? They are. There are. There are. There definitely okay. are. So that was what my pause was. So it, it, it. beats ah. any single movie at least. Of course, it's uh, also I, well, been... yeah, but it's still, you know, a game is different. And also the box office gross is just in the movies, not, you know, DVD sales and whatnot. Um, yeah, because that's I'm... a whole other different craziness. Basically, entertainment makes a shit ton of money and we spend a shit ton of money on it. Yeah. And I just wanted to point out that gaming has surpassed the other entertainments significantly in terms of the amount of. Uh, money in the industry which is like, really, really kind cool. of it's it's actually kind of fascinating that gaming has makes as much money as it does because of um like it's really now at this point it shifted to all the mobile games and all the little the in-app yeah. purchases because like before that you know you spend 60 dollars on a game and that's it you don't have to pay any more for the game well, and, DLC was always a thing. Um, right. But even then, like maybe it was one or two DLCs for $15, $20 every yeah. you know, few years. If that. Now, they definitely try to make more games as services these days. Right. Which is a thing. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of it, but, you know, hey, I would much. I just but it also well. takes it's an incredible amount of money to make a game. Yeah. And oh my goodness, an incredible yes. amount of time. I mean, like games can be in development for, you know, five, six years, if not longer sometimes. Yeah. In and, reality, the fact that we only have to pay 60 bucks is a blessing. Even right. Though it's sometimes more than that just right. through all the other transactions. Right. Well, and then what's crazy, though, is, you know, as a game is developing, technology is moving faster than the game is being developed. Yeah. When you're so, making a game, you kind of have to aim much further ahead than you actually can. Right. Just so and it's it comes also, out, it doesn't look right. Well, uh, it's also dated really hard to test it because you may not have hardware at the moment that can support the graphics you're trying to do so yeah. If, yeah. especially if you're going for pc but if you're going for like uh a PlayStation console or something like yeah that, that's a little easier yeah but it's still it's just i don't know there's uh there's some really fascinating uh documentaries and just behind the scenes stuff of game development and I honestly, I know you've always thought like it would be fun to go into game development. It sounds like one of the most stressful jobs out there. Well, yeah, that's why you go uh, into no, never mind. I was gonna say go into indie development, which is right, better. which is almost worse on some it's, levels. It's worse, but at least you're on your own time frame, so that's kind of nice, right? And you don't have the all the interference of the studios, which has gotten really bad. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, yeah, I probably wouldn't want to be the person that's running everything, but mm-hmm. being a cog in that machine, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, just, um, you know, I worked a week on this high detailed uh, single small little package. Yeah. I made that gun shoot well. Yay. Um, Anyways, sorry f- for that digression. No worries. Uh, you were talking about something, something big. Yes, it was it was the Star Wars movie that just recently came out called uh, The Rise of Skywalker. 
terrible name. Really, the second one should have been called Rise of Skywalker. I and agree. the third one should have been called The Last Jedi. That's but, actually really true in a it, lot of yeah. ways. But, you know, it was... Okay, obviously, spoilers will be coming. Um, oh, yeah. But I feel it's been out for three weeks now, four weeks. Yeah, definitely long enough for like, this to be yeah. okay. Yeah, three weeks. So, um, I mean, the the rise of Skywalker sort of makes sense because Ray takes on the Skywalker name at the very end. Yeah, but that's so forced. I agree. So, I found the movie fun. It was a fun movie. I was entertained by it. It was not a good movie for a plethora of reasons, though. Well, it um, was not a good Star Wars movie, and it wasn't a good entry. In, it wasn't a good final entry of the series. No. Well, so the the issues I had with it are multifold. The Biggest issue was less with the rise of Skywalker and more just how Disney handled the entire trilogy. Yeah. Um, they obviously didn't have a plan going in that they didn't know where they wanted to go with things, which is why, um, you know, in the, the the Force Awakens, there were all these mysteries that were set up. You know, who is Rey's parentage? Um, who are these Knights of Ren? Uh, who is Snoke? All of this stuff. And then in The Last Jedi, um, Ryan Johnson, who was the director, kind of was like, you know, none of these mysteries are really that important, so I'm going to do my own thing. Yes. And I know some people hated that. Well, I, I uh, think it just derailed the entire thing. Like, I think Ryan Johnson wanted to make the big brain play and say, ooh, look how cool and smart I am by subverting what you expect. But in doing so, what he did is he kind of ruined, not ruined, he kind of... uh sidetracked way too much stuff and ended up half so in the third one they had to basically do all the stuff that the second one should have done well in the movie to be very rushed right and so my issue is less with ryan johnson like i actually really liked the last jedi a lot i really liked some of the things like i love the fact that ray was a nobody like that was a huge part of it and the issue is less that you know the last jedi didn't do x y and z it was more of disney should have had the plan and been like hey this is not what we want we want you know x y and z and either i mean honestly i'm not a huge jj abrams fan but he should have just directed the trilogy yeah like it should have just been his vision and yeah i I think the last jedi would have been a great standalone movie and then they should have broken up the rise of the skywalker into two parts and that first part would have been where Last Jedi showed. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's really it's evident. It's very evident because. Oh, yeah. I mean, the rise of Skywalker pretty much undoes everything that the Last Jedi put out there. Um, You know, the big one, obviously, is Ray, Ray's parentage. She's a Palpatine. Oh, they weren't nobodies. They were just pretending to be nobody right which was just a such a cop-out like <laughs> it was pretty like it's, you know it was better than like oh we just lied to you and more of like well it's like you know obi-wan what obi-wan says in uh the return of the jedi when uh luke finds out that darth vader is is his father oh, yeah, yeah and he complains like, he, like you told me darth vader mur- killed my father and obi-wan's like well from a what? certain point of view metaphorically right but that worked actually like that actually worked out well because well it wasn't actually here's a bit of evidence why that that's more interesting because uh originally a new hope was going to be a standalone movie and it became a series and that's why they had to do that right but they knew they were going to be making three right and they also had all this experience with the marvel universe where they know how to interconnect stories right so you would think 
those two facts alone would be a reason why you'd get a really solid trilogy. Right. Maybe and not it's... breaking any sort of cinematic ground, but it would be very entertaining and it would be a very consistent thing. And what we got instead was just a jumbled mess. Yeah. And I think, you know, still the entertaining, issue, so, but, yes. yeah, it was still absolutely it was still entertaining, um, though the rise of Skywalker is. The f- I think I, I, I've only seen it in theaters once. I think the only other mo- Star Wars movie I only saw in once was Solo, which was. Ooh, eh. that's not a good sign. Yeah. I mean, but, The Rise of Skywalker actually gave me mental like whiplash. Yeah. The first half hour of it was so. Which is boom, 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 <sighs> boom. Yeah, so, it was just it was a lot because it had a lot to cover because they were trying got, to un- yes. undo so much stuff. So well, I, I wouldn't say that necessarily that they were trying to undo stuff. But they were just trying to get stuff that should have been said before. Right. And again, so. Um, like, I don't know what was explicitly the, undone. Um, Ray's parentage was. Complete, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we just that was undone. A hundred percent agree with that. Um, uh, the. Um, like Snoke's origin was sort of undone. Like it was definitely Although, implied in The Last Jedi. It was just like, he's just a guy. Yeah. And then and it's I, like, I oh, did- it's Palpatine. Well, but I kind of liked what they did there where the first one set him up as being this most powerful person. The second one just killed him immediately and everyone's like, oh, okay. And then the third one's like, yeah, he was literally nothing. He was just a clone, man. Right. He was just some random creation. Did you see um, the, the vat of Snokes? Yes. I thought that was actually really amusing. I, I, I was enjoyed like, okay, that. I'm, I'm happy oh, yeah. with that, that through line. Yeah. And I think so. Well, okay. So a couple things. One, um, you know, the MCU started before Disney bought it out. Um, I can't yes. remember exactly when Disney. I can't remember who's if Disney, the mastermind behind the so, MCU. Uh, Kevin Feige is Kevin the mastermind Feige. behind the MCU, and he knows what he's doing. And you know, yeah. the, it was this crazy experiment that worked very well. It was, um, you know, the MCU. So you know, the big Marvel products are Spider Man, the Fantastic Four, and X Men, and all of those were owned by other studios. So um, X Men. Was is owned by Fox. Spider Man is owned by Sony, and I think Fantastic Four is also owned by Sony. And so when Marvel wanted to create their own franchise, they couldn't use their big gun, so they kind of went to the B team, which was the Avengers, and it worked phenomenally. Yeah. And Kevin Feige, like you know, obviously they were making things up as they go. Like they didn't have this, you know, ten-year plan. But they, had- I thought they did. Well, I mean, not from the very beginning, but I remember there being this leak of like, here is their roadmap for the next twenty right. movies. Right, and they had at least a rough roadmap, especially after the first Avengers. Like they had the roadmap roadmap leading up to the first Avengers. With and a, then after you know, it the- came out, it was really successful, and they're like, okay, we should do that more. Right, and. Um, the person who's in charge of Star Wars is Kathleen Kennedy, and she just didn't do that. I, and I don't know why. I just she just did it not really, run the franchise. And so it's really frustrating because I think so. If you go back and rewatch The Force Awakens, um, I definitely think there were J.J. Uh, Abrams had certain ideas already planted in there. So. I remember when, uh, and and I'm a hu- I'm a I'm a Star Wars nerd, and um and I also noticed little things in the Force Awakens, uh the f- the lightsaber duel between um Kylo Ren and Rey near the end of the movie, um the way Rey fought with her lightsaber, 
it was very jabby, like she was like jabbing a lot, which was very similar to how Palpatine fought in um, The Revenge of the Sith. Interesting. Which, I wonder if that was actually thought of. So my initial thought was like, oh, I wonder if she's a Palpatine and like that's what the big mystery is. And I'm pretty sure J.J. Abrams, that was his thought from the get go is he wanted Ray to be a Palpatine and have this big twist. And then I don't know if he didn't share that. I don't know what it was that. Well, my question is, why? How did Ryan Johnson get involved with the second one anyways? He well, so originally Disney. So originally they were going to go the MCU pro- approach with directors for Star Wars as they wanted each movie directed by somebody else which is very reminiscent of the MCU because sure. um except at this point the Russo brothers are the big the big honchos but um so here's here quick question about the MCU are different franchise franchises directed by different people or is it so so like for so, the Iron Man were they all done by the same director no so it started with um so the first two Iron Man Iron Man were directed by John Favreau who um, he okay. was happy in the two movies. Yes, I know. Or in all of the movies. The third Iron Man was actually directed by Shane Black, who has done a lot of... Um, Wasn't the third one the one that most people complained about? I love the third one, but it definitely... The third... If you, Speaking of subverting expectations, the third one very much subverted expectations. Uh, but oh, yeah, there oh, was a lot the of complaining. the Mandarin? Yeah, the, man, uh, yeah, the Mandarin. Um, so it wasn't, I, I don't think it was until probably phase two when they started kind of having like, oh, this director is this franchise, this director is this franchise. Probably because um, they learned that that's a good way of doing it. Just right. because having one creative vision over the course of all of the movies makes them be cohesive. When you start kind of like flipping around, it's. Right. And even with the different directors, though, Kevin Fahey is the mastermind. Yes, so he exactly. was, t- you know, so you look at like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is totally different tonally than yeah. the rest of the MCU. But somebody was watching over the shoulder to be like, OK, we need to make sure that these kind of things happen. Right. And that they do somewhat tie into the greater universe we've created. They don't have to tie in directly. And I think no. that's the other thing that the MCU was able to do. That Star Wars, they were kind of trying to do it was, you know, the MCU followed multiple different stories. Yes, Iron Man, Captain America, whatnot were the central focus. But then you had the side adventures of the Guardians of the Galaxy or you had the side adventures of Thor uh, and then Ant-Man and and whatnot. Where Star Wars, and this is like, this is always what it's been. It's always been the Skywalkers from the get-go. And that's totally Fine. Yeah, like that's the story that, you know, especially George Lucas, that's the story he was telling. And, you know, when Disney bought it out, they originally were going to, you know, have the side stories. They had Rogue One and then they had Solo. And, you know, the problem was and Solo is, did so bad that they canceled the one with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. Well, though, they're making a TV show now of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and I just I don't know. There was just so. So I think the biggest problem is. If you're telling one cohesive story over the course of several movies, you need to have the same director just because they're going to have the idea of the same mastermind. Exactly. There needs to be some clear cohesion. Like, I don't necessarily don't like Ryan Johnson for what he did with The Force Awakens. I think it would have been really interesting. Thank you. Last Jedi. I think it would have been really interesting to see if see what an entire three trilogy with Ryan Johnson would have been. Well, and what's interesting, I I don't know. And I, 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 I sorry. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, I, I also, likewise, I would have wanted to see what J.J. Abrams would have done with um, Last Jedi. Right. So, and I, I don't know if this is still going to happen or not. After The Last, Je- Last Jedi came out, Disney did announce that they were going to give Ryan Johnson his own trilogy. Of uh, <laughs> Good. Which I think he could do something really interesting in a different part of the Star Wars universe. That's one of the biggest complaints with Star Wars, especially the the sequel trilogy, is you've got this entire galaxy and it feels very small, though, because like yeah. everybody is connected. And that was one of the things that I personally liked. And I, I know a lot of other people liked about The Last Jedi was that because Rey was just a person, it made the universe a little bigger because it wasn't like, oh, she's some pe- special person. She's like, no, she's just a person that exists in this reality. And anybody can be a Jedi. Anybody has force sensitivity. Um and then the next movie came along. I was like, nope, you have to be. It's a lineage thing. Right. And um, yeah. And then it, one of the honestly, the biggest frustrations I had with uh, the Rise of Skywalker, which was just really underhanded and um, fan servicey was uh, so there was a character in The Last Jedi Rose who oh, was yeah, the, yeah. The, the Asian character. And there was a very vocal minority of assholes who thought, oh, how dare you have a not only a female main character, but a minority female main character. That's not what Star Wars is, yada, yada. It was really bad. Really? I didn't even notice that. I I knew people didn't like her because she made really stupid choices, but... no, I mean, she didn't really... Anyways, no, people didn't like... Like, her main dislike was because she, she did not conform to the white male standard that... And, and this, again, is a small minority, but it was extremely vocal, and um, they trolled her so bad. She closed her Instagram account. She closed her Twitter account. Yeah, that sounds um, like something the internet would do. The internet is and full of assholes. So she was originally going to have a bigger role in the third one, and they shortened it significantly. Like, I think she had, like, two minutes of screen time or something like that, which I found completely underhanded. Um, and oh, see, that's interesting because I see, I never heard of this vocal minority you're talking about. Um, I thought most people didn't like her because her character was bad. I didn't think she was a bad character. I mean, I don't know, like what bad decisions did she make? I don't really remember. Honestly, I, I mean, the only two decisions she ever really made was one tasing Finn and two keeping Finn from blowing himself up. Those are the two decisions that I really remember. Right. And the tasing of Finn made perfect sense because he was deserting and she's kind of like, well, fuck you. How dare yeah. you desert us? Which and then- is another thing that's kind of interesting. Um, if you go from The Force Awakens, it doesn't make any sense that Finn would desert, right? Like in The Force well, Awakens, he's all gung-ho for this stuff. Yes. Literally- and- <laughs> I mean, yes and no, though. Like he was gung-ho because of Rey. Like he was very strongly connected to Rey. And he wasn't trying to abandon the resistance. He was trying to find Ray. Um, that's why he was leaving, because he wanted to make sure Ray was okay. Interesting. And um, so you know, obviously, either he wasn't able to explain that. Um, you know, he had just kind of woken up from a a, a, a Bapta bath. Um, Bapta is the the magical healing fluid. Nerd. This is true. I am a huge nerd. Um, and I also just remember things. Um, yeah, see, I don't remember things. Yeah. So, and well, the it other makes thing, watching movies easier sometimes. Yeah. Um, the other thing that uh, The Rise of Skywalker somewhat undid 
was Finn's character, not Finn, um, Poe's character growth. So, you know, Poe was introduced in The Force Awakens as your stereotypical hotshot pilot who, you know, can make grass decisions, but it works out in the end, even if he's like disobeying orders or whatnot. Um, in The Last Jedi, it was kind of the opposite of he, you know, at the very beginning, he disobeyed orders. And yeah, he destroyed this massive jet, uh, dreadnought, but he also got half the fleet destroyed in the process. And well, so he's still being a hotshot, but he has consequences for it. Right. And so he's demoted and whatnot. And then by the end, you know, he realizes, you know, the the big thing was um, with uh, Finn trying to destroy the cannon at the end. Yeah. And the role was somewhat reversed. Finn was ignoring the orders, trying to destroy the cannon. And Poe realizes, no, like this this isn't going to work. We need to live to fight another day. Ah, okay. And, um, and then he's right back to the same, the like, same character. character. And, uh, which honestly kind of happens for almost all of the characters. Like it does. It none does. of the characters have a major, um, uh, character arc except for honestly, Kylo Ren, which again, and also, he's probably the one that was the best character out of the entire series, which, you know, it's actually kind of funny is I was annoyed by his character growth in, or his character change in the rise of Skywalker as well. Cause one, again, one of the things, and this again is a, you know, a subversion of expectations that Ryan Johnson did. Um, so, you know, it, you expect the bad guy in star Wars, especially kind of the, uh, the, um, somewhat relatable bad guy to change, change. and become yeah, good sides. again to switch sides. And, um, you know, that was just kind of, you kind of expected that. And then what I loved about The Last Jedi was they hinted at that. They were pushing toward that, that Rey was going to to save Kylo Ren. But then at the end, he's like, no, I want to be this person. I want to lead the First Order. I want to be this bad guy. That's, this is who I am. And he, you know, completely, um, uh, Rey, you know, kind of asked, come with me, become a good person. And he basically is, no. No, I am I am this guy and I was hoping they weren't going to redeem him. I thought that would have been you know another kind of unique thing to do. And again, of course, JJ Abrams redeemed him. And I thought that was totally fine. Like that was fine. But I think he's an entertaining character, so it was fun to yeah. watch him switch between those things. Right. Um so, I think I mean it's just it comes down to honestly, Ryan Johnson should not have been given the last Jedi. No, it agreed. Sh- and I think I think he made a really interesting movie, but it should have been a side story. Right. Or or if they were going to give it to him, follow up on everything he did. Like yeah. instead of because it just felt like like Honestly, oh, the, all three movies. What they felt like is, hey, we're on contract for three movies, so we might as well just get three movies out. Right. Like there was there was no uh, passion, I guess is the right word. Yeah. No one really cared about them nearly as much as anything else. They were just kind of like, okay, let's just mass produce these, uh, get them out mm-hmm. once every other year, and yeah. we'll make our billions of dollars. Right. And it's kind of sad because the this trilogy isn't going to be remembered very fondly. No. Well, um, wonder which will be re- fond- remembered fondly, more fondly, this trilogy or the prequel. I honestly think the prequels are going to be too. remembered mo- more too. fondly because in- they actually did as, something. Right. As as rough as the prequels were, and there were some rough moments in the prequels, it did something different. And actually, if you go back 
and look at the story that George Lucas told. It's actually a really fascinating story of the death of a democracy from within. Like, I love the fact that the empire wasn't some external force that destroyed the republic, but the republic actually became the empire. Um, And that's just kind of a really fascinating story to tell. And the problem was it like it was a fascinating story. It just wasn't told particularly well, Um, but it was still a far more interesting story than what we got in the uh, the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, So to wrap this kind of up, uh, what was your most favorite and least favorite moment in Rise of Skywalker? uh, So my absolute most favorite moment was the. the the final battle when all of the spaceships all of the good guy spaceships show up and <laughs> just because you're a sucker for uh heart feels uh spaceship porn as you will yeah well yeah, yeah. i loved it because like there were a whole bunch of callbacks in that moment to different ships we've seen over the years and it was just i'm a sucker for a good space battle that's interesting because um, i'm i was watching that scene being like oh please don't oh that's so cheesy i mean it was absolutely it was absolutely cheesy so cheesy um and then my least favorite moment was when ray finds out that she's a palpatine even though i knew yeah. it was coming but yeah. i was like ugh. um okay. what, about, what about you so my most favorite moment uh there was two scenes what's the red-haired guy's name is that hux yeah when he gets killed yeah well that was my favorite my favorite scene is the when he gets killed just because he's like oh I, I was injured by the intruders. Clearly, yeah. I'm not with them. And yeah. the guy the guy in charge is like, no, that makes no sense. Yeah. They would have just... Anyways. Yeah. Um, but the fact that his motivations for becoming a spy was he just hated Kylo Ren so right. much. I did find so that good. amusing. That was yeah, so that good. was kind of amusing. Um, um, and then your least favorite. So I kind of have two. Uh, one is obvious, and you probably disliked it as well. And that's that they killed Chewie and then didn't kill Chewie all within like the same breath. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and that it was such a cheap trick too, because they you know they blow up his transporter that Chewie is on, Except, and then oh, like, there were oh, two there transporters. Which yeah, if you look at that first scene, there are two transporters, but still, come on. Yeah, it's like why why even do that? So like, that was what was the annoying. point? Yeah. Um, because I was at first I was like, oh shoot, they actually did that. That's going to be right. They've that's done a- it. They've killed all of them. Yeah. Um. Now we just got to get rid of C three PO, and oh wait, he just got wiped. Uh, oh, anyways, and then yeah, that was the other thing I didn't like. Uh, Another C3PO character getting wiped like that was a big deal, only for it to be undone at the very end. Yeah. Like what? That was just okay. What I do like is all of the ragging on C three PO. Like everyone yeah. just got in on it this time. Yeah. Um, but my most frustrating moment was uh, on the same planet where Chewie dies. Um, the mm-hmm. main cast gets kind of sucked into this quicksand stuff. Yes, yes. And just before they do, oh yes, Finn I goes, know exactly what you're talking. Hey about. Ray, I have something to tell you. It's really important. And then, and then never actually it answers never comes it. up again. Which what's really obnoxious was, and this is this is a staple of J.J. Abrams. He has this horrible tendency of forgetting plot lines. Not so like not so much forgetting plot lines, but is like filling in the details in other material. Um, That's not cool. That's right. not cool with so, the main, main r- stories. Right. So what Finn was trying to tell Ray was <laughs> he's force sensitive. Like Sorry for I the think. Cop. Like, I think I'm I, not a Jedi, but that I can I, I feel the force and, and whatnot. Yeah, this is what I found out later as well. But like, like, why didn't like that would have been. Such why is a that? Qu- why would that be the thing that you say just as you die? How is that going to help the situation? Right. Or just say it like if you yeah. don't bring it up, just say it instead of 
like bringing what it up, making it a big deal. And it wasn't just that; it was like he brought it was brought up there, and then Poe kept asking, "What did you want to tell her?" Yeah, and he's like, "Well, I'm not going to tell you." Yeah, it's Why? like it's not the time. It's like, oh, that was so Why? frustrating. Yeah, I just. I don't know. I just it was the whole movie was very frustrating. It was fun. And it's one. It's more frustrating because it was a perfectly fun movie. Oh, yeah. I have no it, complaints about it in terms of its. Uh, did I waste money? No, it was a very no. enjoyable movie. Um, It's similar to like I brought this up with the Joker of like if the movie lived in a vacuum would have been a great fun blockbuster, but it doesn't live in a vacuum. It has, you know, so much other well, this one, especially so. Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to be a good segue and perhaps a quick topic into what's called retconning, which I was wanting to talk about a little bit. So for those who don't know, retconning is uh, retroactive continuity, which is uh, very much a a thing. It's basically um, when something new says, hey, that old stuff, nah, it didn't happen. Right. And The Rise of Skywalker had a ton of that. Yeah. Um, with, you know. Although they weren't nearly as explicit about it as some things. Right. And one of the big reasons I, w- I was thinking about it, and I, have you ever seen uh, Stargate SG-1? Yeah, I watched that series. Did you watch the movie, the original movie? Yes. With uh, the completely different actors? Yes. Which, I mean, that makes sense when you go from a movie to a TV show. Uh, but it was really interesting. Stargate had a lot of retconning um, of changing, like, how the main enemy works and whatnot. Um, and, um, throughout the entire series or just between the movie and the series, just between the movie and the series. Okay. Really? Which again, makes sense. Cause if you're going to make something that's going to be a long format thing, mm-hmm. you're going to have to make sure that it's going to sustain. Right. So my question, and you may honestly not have much of an opinion on this. Um, how do you feel about retconning? Do you do not care? You don't care. Because so here's my, I, hmm. One of the really interesting things with media these days is it, it's all about the interconnected universe and everyone wants to get all those. Yeah. I just want to be entertained. Yeah. So I, I yeah. enjoy those connections. But if it if those connections are hampering an entertaining movie, then get rid of them and move on. For instance, um, the X-Men movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they almost got good again after Days of Future Past when they retconned everything. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then they screwed it up again because money right. and everything yeah, else. But yeah, but still, well, like, it was interesting. Like with Days of Future Past, though, the retconning was somewhat. Um, it was explained uh, in fiction, but what I loved about it is it was also very explicit. Like, hey, what? remember all those movies that really sucked? What if we just kind of made them go away with a very right. entertaining movie? Right, and well, and it kind of worked though. So, like, I'm of two minds with retconning. On the one hand. Sometimes you need to, and that's totally fine. And you just kind of chalk it up to like, okay. So like, uh, you know, one of the big ones is with Star Trek. Um, the original series Klingons look like yeah. humans with, and then like, they bring broad... in like a disease that they get. Right. Well, not even, but like, well, that was a the... whole other thing. That was, but you know, when they move into the movies and the next generation, they you know add all this crazy makeup, and it was just like they always look like that. that that's yeah, just that's, that's just, just how they always looked. Perfectly uh, cool. And then, of course, they kind of ruined that with a actually kind of a really amusing story where it was this virus that actually affected all of them and, and whatnot. Yeah. But so like that kind of retconning, I'm totally fine so, with because it's like it's fiction. You can use your imagination for certain things. Yeah. So um, for me, I guess it's more has to do with the continuity between. So obviously don't retcon within a uh, contained movie. That mm-hmm. would be stupid. Mm-hmm. But also, if you're telling a trilogy, try not to retcon within the trilogy because 
the whole thing that makes a trilogy good is the fact that the movies build on each other. Yeah. But if we have a universe, I'm perfectly cool with retconning within the universe because if one story needs to be told that kind of ruins something else elsewhere, those are completely different things in my mind. Just yeah. because they're in the same universe doesn't mean that they have to be completely wholly self-consistent. Right. And like you can't expect that in really any kind of universe, especially when it comes to movies or TV shows, because things happen. Yeah. And there's just nothing, you know, you don't have control over that, you know, in different mediums like books or comic books or, or you know, things like that. It's a lot easier to plan out ahead because. Well, you don't have to worry about having certain voice actors or. Um, actual actors or something like that showing right. up. Right. And like you can always, you can kind of go back, at, you know, and as you're writing the novel or something, you realize, oh, wait, this doesn't work. Let me change that. It's really difficult to do in like a TV show it's where you're halfway. It's more expensive, yeah. Right. You know, halfway through a season, you're like, oh, crap. Um, but yeah, I uh, think for most of the stuff, just entertainment comes first, story comes second, and then consistency is somewhere in the middle. Like, yeah, I, what, what am I going to the movies for? I'm going to the movies to basically time travel about two and a half hours. And at the end of that two and a half hours go, ah, I was, that was fun. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, in the, yeah, if I'm entertained, I feel like it was worthwhile. And that's like where rise of Skywalker. I was entertained as frustrated as I was with aspects of it. I was entertained. Um, and so it's just, it's so interesting just how, um, entertainment like that works, how you get so caught up in this completely fictional universe. Well, and I think that's something that's relatively new. I think with the internet and how um, people can communicate ideas so quickly now, it's so much easier to start ragging on something when the continuity is broken. True. And Though, you get these like communities of people that are so engrossed and can quickly talk with each other. Yeah. Like you had these communities back before the internet too, but they were usually local pockets and they were never able to... Right. It wasn't as prevalent. It wasn't as fast. Yeah. And actually, this actually is a a quick segue that I just just thought of. I mean, just keep them coming. Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I was a huge nerd. I was a huge Trekkie. Um, You know, really, I just sci-fi junkie. And I was very much in the minority at that. You know, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. I wonder, you know, now nerd culture is huge. Like, nerd culture is popular in a lot of ways. And I wonder if that's actually because of the internet, that it was, you know, it's easier to find, you know, people of like mine who like these things and then kind of spread the word from there. Well, I think it also has to do more with what most people are doing in their pastimes. Um, if you go back far enough before a lot of the technology exists, the thing that you did in your pastime was like a sport or some sort of physical activity. Mm-hmm. So anybody who didn't do that was going against that norm. True. And therefore was a quote unquote nerd. Oh, right. you're reading a whole bunch of books when you should be kicking footballs or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Now, because the internet is so prevalent and everyone's using it, the thing that makes you weird is if you don't use it. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny because on the one hand, I kind of like, man, if I, you know, grew up, you know, if I was growing up now, I wouldn't be you know, the weird nerd in the corner. Um, but on the one hand, I kind of miss when it was this niche thing. Well, that, also at the same time, a worse fate could be that, yeah, you're still into this, but everyone still thinks you're a nerd. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, but the thing is, is yeah, everybody th- still thinks I'm a nerd, but that's not a bad thing. 
Well, I mean, some definitions of nerds aren't just like, oh, like sci-fi. Some definitions of nerds are social outcasts. Like True. true. So, pick Which, your definition, I guess. Yeah. But um, it's definitely, you know, I was never ashamed of being a nerd, but it's far easier now to... And I mean, part of that's also I'm an adult. So well, like, I think it's, it, it's far easier because before, you know, you would have a school of you know, a couple hundred people and you could only relate to those couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. Now you can relate to anyone else on the Internet. Right. Yeah. So even if the people directly around you don't have the same um, interests as you, you can always find somebody who does. That's true. Yeah. And, and it's, therefore yeah, you it's, can validate yourself. Yeah. And also, you know, so Star Trek has always had a very strong fan community, even before the internet started. You know, the reason, um, you know, the original series got canceled after three seasons. The reason it came back was this massive fan uprising of, you know, literally letter writing to... Um, <laughs> writing letters? Who does that? I know, and Nerds. Like, yeah, exactly. And so, like, back in the day, you had to work a lot harder to be a nerd. So it was kind of like only for the diehards. Um, that, you know, if you wanted to see more Star Trek, it wasn't just, oh, let me, you know, sign a petition online. It was like, I actually have to write a letter and send it in. Or they had, um, like, literally, like, Star Trek meetups or whatnot, and y- you couldn't get online and find that. You had to subscribe to magazines that would, you know, list these conventions or these meetups or whatnot. Um, and so yeah, you had again, to somehow be in the know in order to get there. And not just in the know, but, like, actively really participating yeah. in it which you don't have to do anymore so it's actually it's kind of like easier to be a nerd it's easier to go online and look up all the well, fan and i'd or, say i don't even think that's being a nerd anymore i think that's just enjoying a thing that you enjoy right yeah yeah and uh you know it used to be like you know star wars always had a huge expanded universe if you wanted to know about it, you had to read the books. You had to read the comics. Now you can just get online and you know, there's so many different fan websites. You can just be like, oh, that's a cool little thing that I would probably never know otherwise. And I'm just going to browse Wikipedia for a while. Exactly. Wikipedia, by the way. Wookie, that's what I said. Wiki. I said Wookie. I know. I'm just I'm enunciating. See, for when you our have to listeners. explain a joke, it's no longer as funny. Well, I think it would very easily be, you know, people heard Wookiee and think, oh, maybe he's meant Wiki, and I'm just, I'm I'm clarifying it. Although both work. This is um, true. So actually, so, we're, we're getting pretty close on time, but I had a, a question pop into my head that I really wanted to ask you. Yes. So we know CES happened over last week. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was uh, this past week. Yeah. And one of the things that was presented uh, was, so Impossible, um, the people who make the yes, Impossible yes, Burger, yes, yeah. all the plant-based meats that are really realistic yeah they did impossible pork yes and my question is is impossible pork which is completely plant-based kosher yeah it is so you would be able to eat impossible bacon again absolutely um you know it's actually so it's this is actually really kind of fascinating so um we're not fully there but there is um you know experiments with lab-grown meat that's the other question i was going to ask and there is very much a discussion with you know, with rabbis across the world of if you get lab grown pork, is it kosher? And, you know, there's not an answer yet. Um, Yeah, it turns out God didn't think about lab growing meat. Right, because it's, you know, I don't know, because is it really? And and then, of course, the other question is, is it really meat still? Like, what? Like, yeah. 
So well, I can easily see the argument that's like, well, being kosher isn't about actually following the rules as much as it is just remembering where you come from and who you right. are and the ob- observance of these things. Right. And, and that therefore definitely, you shouldn't eat the pork because that would be going against this mentality. Right. Like there is obviously, yeah, there's definitely a, you know, letter of the law and spirit of the law. Yes. Um, and it's kind of interesting in the more orthodox communities the letter of the law is actually kind of what's more important than the spirit of the law in a lot of ways um okay i guess that makes sense so so they could probably eat the lab beef right or the the vegetarian pork um i could see it in different communities being like well technically yes this is kosher but it's defying against the spirit yeah but um but i think like if lab grown meat i think would be more controversial than it's just it's vegetables it's all plant-based and maybe it tastes like pork but so what like it's all plant-based it's just like you know vegetarians would have no problem eating the impossible burger or whatnot because it's not meat no um so i guess the wrapping up of that question is would you eat the impossible pork and would you eat lab grown pork i would definitely eat the impossible pork um just to try it why not yeah I mean, um, I, i'm going to as well as soon as it's yeah available. eventually yeah um i don't know about the lab grown i re i really don't know um i think it's such an interesting thing yeah it's it's you know and i and, and there's also the question like you know if suddenly you know like the conservative rabbis or the orthodox rabbis deem lab grown pork as kosher would that necessarily sway my opinion? Right, because you still I, have to answer your own internal question. It doesn't right. really matter as much as some other guy says, oh, right. it's good. I mean, I think, honestly, for me, the bigger question would be, how do I feel about lab-grown meat? Like, Oh, I am so down for it. Like, I, the instant that we can grow meat in the lab at such a uh, rate that it can replace cattle? Yeah. Well, first of all, that means extinction of cattle. We're just, we have no need for them anymore. They right. will become extinct. Right. But it also means lots of good environmental things will happen right i think it's more and if it tastes er similar then i don't care like like we're way too early in the process of what it would mean you know for me it would be a combination of okay is this actually healthy like what the how are they doing this sure um you know is i'm making the assumption that it's almost the only difference between lab-grown meat and uh cattle is probably a little bit of texture and taste Right, and and so def- you're gonna have those like rich hoity-toity people that are like, "Ooh, well, I've gotten a real cow." Yes. Speaking of that, and we'll end on this. I read this absurd article. Um, I can't remember if it was on the AV Club or IO9. Um, of there's some like way hoity-toity restaurant in I think it was in Florida, um, run by. I don't even I've never even heard of the guy, but he's he was like a musician and he decided to open up this like stupid high end restaurant that really caters to people who have just too much money. And one of the uh, things that they sell is 24 karat gold plated steak. <laughs> that which, wouldn't even be good. I know, which leads to so many questions of a how do you eat it? B so, like I know you can actually eat gold like gold is not toxic in small doses. But that's just weird. That is just so weird. Are you sure it was 24 karat and not gold um, leaf? No, nope, it was 24 gold karat. Gold used a lot in restaurants. Nope, 24 karat gold. Like, it literally, there is a picture of the guy holding up the steak. Gross. Covered. 
And it's just like, and the story was, um, and like there, there was no good person in the story was, you know, somebody went to the restaurant and, you know, they're expecting to put down, you know, a couple of thousand dollars or whatnot, did not order this gold plated steak, but got it, didn't realize that it was this fancy one and got charged for it and then was complaining about it and refusing to pay the bill. And then the police were called. Gosh. It's just like there was no there was nobody nobody came out well in this story because a who the hell spends that much money on a meal like come on and why why do you have a restaurant with gold plated meat well and it, also why would you if that wasn't what you ordered why would you get a right. thing covered in gold and go yes this is good right like the guy was saying oh he thought that was just how you know it was presented and it's just i don't know i, I just know, i found the whole thing for less so absurd and amusing anyways um you want to hit us with that final word yes the final word so we're going with a yiddish word here and Ooh. it is my absolutely favorite yiddish word right. i may have told you this word before we'll so you may actually it. get it um i don't know if you will ever necessarily use it in conversation but it is just a fantastic word Okay. So the word is Gaikaken Ofenyam. That doesn't sound like one word. That sounds like three. It is like a mash of three words together, but it is a single word. Gaikaken Ofenyam. Okay. No, uh, I, don't, I don't remember you ever telling me this. Okay. So Yiddish has the greatest curse words in the world. Ooh. And this curse word is absurd. Go shit in the ocean. I don't think that would do much. It's just like that. It's just Why? <laughs> like you're yelling, you know, you're getting, you're having an argument with someone. You're just like, go shit in the ocean. I kind of, it's, it's so dismissive. Right. That's kind of the point. It's just like, yeah, yeah. the conversation is over now. Go shit in the ocean. And I also just love the sound of Gekak and Um Yeah. It really rolls is, off the tongue. Yeah. There's a, a similar one. Um, Altakaka. Oh, is caca shit? Is yes. are you is seriously? Oh my goodness. Yep, caca is shit in Yiddish. In Yiddish, uh, Alta caca is an old shitter. Oh okay. Yeah. Alta. So Alta is old. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, caca. See, I think that's the better word. Just knowing that caca is Yiddish for shit is great. Yeah. But I mean, it's but, like I've, I've always been using that anyways. I didn't know I knew Yiddish. Yeah, but I mean, gay caca ofenyam. That's just such a. I love that word. Um. All right. Cool. With that well, being said, listen to our lovely outro music that Jeff and I are still incredibly proud of. <laughs> Peace, guys. <laughs>